Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. You've heard of it, Social Security. But what is this creation? What does it do for me? What do I do for it? Will it be there when I need it? When can I take it? In this episode of Dear Rochester, Retire Well, host David Polsini of Six Point Financial helps you understand this benevolent behemoth. I'm Patrice Sikora. This is the first of two episodes about Social Security that David will do. So we will start with the basics. David, when did Social Security start? And was it always the same? Great question, Patrice. Uh, the Social Security Act, it, it's actually getting old, um, was signed <laughs> into law by President Roosevelt in 1935. And as most things that long ago, it has certainly changed in the meantime. Mm -hmm. uh, in the original Social Security Act, the only benefits, it was very simple, the only benefits were to be paid to the primary worker when he or she retired just at age 65. And it was actually based on just the money that they put in. So I get that question a lot is how, can I just get back the money that I put in? <laughs> but actually the answer is no, by the way, but it used to be like that very briefly. And since then, uh, social security has added disability benefits, spousal benefits, death benefits, dependent benefits, divorce benefits, and so much more. And that's why I think so many people have so many questions about it is it's very confusing and you mentioned the benevolent behemoth and once you get it it keeps on giving we just want to make sure you get it the right way but um so yeah it started in 1935 the first i just want a brief history because i think this is interesting yeah and think about this the government actually had to go around and assign everybody a social security number think of the undertaking that was in 1935 that's amazing crazy. Yeah. And then they did it. And obviously from that point forward, everybody has their number, right? So in, in 1937, they started collecting money and this will tie into today actually. And that money was taken through FICA tax, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And that money went into a special trust fund or just a giant fund that everybody was paying into. And then money was paid out from that fund to people. So over the years, think about this, $8.7 trillion has been paid into the fund and $7.4 trillion has been paid out. So there's still money in the fund and that that is what remains on reserve and will pay future benefits, which again, we'll get into. However, Congress has tapped that fund for non-Social Security events. Yes. And right on Social Security statements, actually people, if you read on the front of the statement, it says right on there, Congress can change the law at any time. So, and, and we'll get into it and we get a lot of will it run out of money, which we will talk about briefly. And I will tell you as, as a society, we can't let social security run out and they won't, they'll mm -hmm. change laws, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to get back to the trillion numbers just because again, I think this is interesting and most people don't think of it this way. One trillion is such a huge number. I wanted to try to make it relatable. So I'll, I was going to quiz you, Patrice, but I won't put you on the spot like this. So 1,000 seconds, you ready, is 16 minutes ago and 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. 
One million seconds is 11 days and 13 hours. One billion seconds is 31 and a half years. Mm -hmm. One trillion seconds. You ready for it? Go for it. It's 30, 31,700 years ago. So one trillion is <laughs> the year 29679 BC. Wow. And we have $8 trillion of money that we put into social security. So that is why it's such a big deal for people. And it's such a huge program. That's not a um, number that people can understand. It just No, isn't. it's really not even comprehensible. Um, and we get individuals will talk about who's who's going to be the first trillionaire on the planet, like Jeff Bezos from Amazon is obviously mm -hmm. the richest man right now with billions. I mean, it's not even close. He's not even close to trillions. So um, I don't know if we'll ever see that. But anyway, again, back back to the history here. The from 1937 to 1940, Social Security benefits. I think this is cool. We're just paid in the form of a single lump sum payment. There were no options, and the reason was, is that the government was set up to just collect money from people's paychecks to build that big fund, right? So, but in the meantime, if somebody retired and had paid in, they wanted to pay them back something. Okay. So um, the earliest, this is for trivia on Jeopardy, by the way, the earliest reported applicant for a lump sum benefit was a man in Cleveland named Ernest Ackerman. He got a lump sum payment. Patrice, take a guess on what his lump sum payment was. Oh, geez. What year was this? 1937. I'm guessing it was probably about maybe $100. By the way, I quizzed my wife before this, and she literally said $100. The answer is 17 cents. Whoa, you're kidding. So he got a large check of 17 cents. <laughs> um, the average lump sum during this time was 58 bucks, and the smallest payment was 5 cents. So it's so cool, and, and how this has changed over time, and that's why I think this is interesting. Um, wow. On January 31st, 1940, the first monthly retirement check was issued to a lady, Ida Mae Fuller in Vermont, and her social security payment was $22.54. Mm. So and listen to this. So I wonder if social security figured out quickly that they calculated wrong because Miss Fuller lived to be 100 years old <laughs> and she put in something like $1,000 and she ended up collecting 22000 So think of the return on her investment right. with that. But, and as you guys, one, and one more interesting fact on this, actually. I love these. Go on. <laughs> the, there's an original death benefit of Social Security that has not changed of $255. So it has been the same basically because there were no survivor options. Remember how I said it was just for the worker? Right. So if somebody passed away, they would say, well, I paid all that money and I got nothing. So they figured out that they wanted to pay the spouse or children just a check for $255. That is still the same today. The so, same? Yep. They have not changed the 255 bucks. So, and, and people still see that. And we have clients that, well, I guess, unfortunately, get the check for $255. Yeah. So um, I will say that as financial advisors and retirement income planners, we, we in general want clients to get more than $22.54 a month. So we help figure out the benefits and all these other things. And a lot has changed and continues to change. And our main goal of this series, I'll say these two podcasts, is yes. to help people understand Social Security and also, honestly, just get the most from it. There are so many nuances and benefits that have changed over time and continue to change. That's where a financial advisor can help with that. So, Coming right down to it, how much do we pay into it? How much does an average worker pay into Social Security? 
it, well, I could tell you, well, it depends on the average salary, but if you look at your pay stub, mm-hmm. you will see some items that you contribute to and they should sound familiar. Now, if I went and quizzed everybody on this, which I will not do. You're so sweet. They, they may not know. <laughs> well, I don't want to feel bad, but I know they see it. Can they tell me what it stands for? I, some people can, but FICA. Do people know what that stands for? No, but they usually have seen it on their pay stub. It stands for Federal Insurance Contribution Act. That has never changed. Those taxes and benefits, so FICA consists of two parts. One is OASDI, which stands for Old Age Survivors and Disability Insurance. OS, OASDI, you see that on your pay stub. Mm-hmm. And the second part of FICA is for Medicare, which we're not going to get into too much today, but you'll see it as like FED or MED slash EE on your pay stub. Literally dollar amounts and line items that go out of your paycheck directly to those things. So to answer your question, the amounts that come out every paycheck are determined by the Social Security Administration every year. And OASDI, that part of it is 6.2% of your gross income. Of the gross. Okay. Yep. And the Medicare part of it, or the hospital insurance, I'll say, is 1.45%. Has that gone up recently? Has any of that changed recently? No. What changes is the cap on it. So, and we'll get into this later, but there is a cap. Once you make a certain amount, you no longer have to pay that. Okay. Um, But each year they do set the limit on the amount. You pay that amount. And by the way, I want people to think of this, especially during the times that we're in. The employer also pays the amount, that same amount. So I know that many people don't think of how much money that can add up to be for an employer. But if you work for a small business or think, think of the huge businesses, Rochester Regional Health, if you're making $100,000 and paying in $7,500 to Social Security, mm-hmm. they are also paying that in for every single employee. It is a huge amount of money that goes out. So to answer your question on how much do you actually pay in, it completely depends on how much you make, but it is a percentage that's preset. Okay. One last thing on this. If you are self-employed, you pay both, right? So like I said, oh, the small business, right. yeah. So the rate, it, it consists of, you pay 12.4% for the OASDI instead of 6.2. Mm-hmm. 6.2 times two is 12.4 and 2.9% for Medicare because you are paying for both as the employee and the employer. And one last thing about this. In 2020, people people are wondering where their money is going right now. I get that question a lot. So I pay all this money out. I make 100000 I pay thousands of dollars. Where is it going? 85 cents of every dollar right now goes to pay the fund that is already paying current retirees. So it's going in and going out. 15 cents of it goes into a fund that pays the benefits to people with disabilities and their families. Okay. So there's every dollar you put in, 85 goes to pay somebody who's already retired and 15 cents goes to pay for somebody who's disabled in their family. Is there any investment involved here? What happens, where are we getting the the excess money to to pay people? So remember I mentioned the trust fund, right? Yes. So there's a fund with trillions of dollars in right. it. I believe the last surplus was 2.9 trillion or something like that. So when we have good years in the markets, it, it is invested. It's invested very carefully. They're choosing managers and obviously it's very strict protocols and so forth, mm-hmm. but hopefully that's growing just as any, think about your retirement accounts, right? They're growing and hopefully can pay you and, and sustain itself. That is what they are hoping for with social security as long as possible. All right. I'm reaching close to retirement age. 
when is the earliest I could actually file to take Social Security? So, yeah, fi- yeah, great question, because filing, this is very common, filing and then getting it are two different things. So if you're unfamiliar with how the payouts of Social Security work, you are able to take your benefits starting at age 62 or age 60, if you are widowed, I should say. The latest you can take it is age 70. And you have to take it then? I don't, you know, I've never run into the fact that I, they don't make you take it, but there's no reason to wait past 70. There's no increase anymore. That is the maximum benefit you'll ever get. And okay. each year in between, you're basically getting an 8% raise. So the earliest you can take it is 62. The latest you can take it is age 70. And each year in between that you wait, you're going to get an 8% raise. 8% is pretty decent. It's great. It's great. And this will get into when should I take it, which is another question we'll answer in a minute. But the maximum monthly payout you can get at age 62. So if you were making hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year for your whole life, the maximum you can get at age 62 is $2,324. The full retirement age, which is based on your date of birth, we'll get into this next in the next episode, is $3,113. So we've gone from 2,300 to 3,100, mm-hmm. right? And at age 70, it's almost 3,900. Then it's not going to go up anymore. So if you waited to 71, it's pointless. Okay. That is the most you're going to get. So I say this because whenever you're taking Social Security or thinking about it, that's a pretty significant difference. Think about an 85-year-old that you know, the difference in what it would make in, in their lives if they took $2,300 versus $3,900. Right. It's a huge difference every month, huge standard of living difference. And social security for a lot of folks that are on it makes up a huge part of their income. Right. Retirement, right. You know, this retirement planning didn't become popular or something that people did until relatively recently. Now, you mentioned there's a difference between filing and actually getting social security. Tell me about yeah. that. So... I can, the last one I did was actually for my father, Patrice. So he's, he's, he's a young guy. He had me when he was young. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he turned 62 in November and filed in November. His first payment will be in January. Mm -hmm. That is very common. Okay. So you, you don't, you, you should file months in advance. All right. Um, And depending on your date of birth and there's some other rules, again, we'll get into this in the more advanced class, I should say, or podcast, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is when exactly should you apply for social security and when should you expect your first payment? How do you apply? How does it go into your bank account and, and things like that? Those are very common questions that advisors can help answer. Now, can um, you apply and then wait to take? You would just wait to apply. All right. Okay. Yep. So one thing I wanted to mention here is I mentioned the maximums because I hear quite a bit that and I, just recently in the last few weeks, even I heard my spouse makes whatever significantly more than I do. So her benefit will be much higher than mine. Or my friend makes $400,000 a year. His social security is going to be huge. That is not the case. As I said, there are maximums. So there's actually a cap on how much of your earnings count towards social security. Hmm. And in 2021, the cap is $142,800. So that changes every single year and it has. But what that means is that if you make $142,801 and your friend earns $400,000 or $4 million, <laughs> doesn't matter, your benefits are actually calculated the same way. Wow. So for higher income earners, 
that are listening, your social security tax actually stops at 142,800 for the year. So if, if you make exactly double that on July 1st, and you're consistent, I should say throughout the year, your social security tax will stop on July 1st. And then next year it will start up again until you make up to that cap. Okay. That's what so, they call tax day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that when you talk about this, not to give this away, but when people say, when's it going to run out of money or we're going to run out of money, they're just talking about, they'll eliminate that cap. Now that I'm talking about oh. it right now, it's, instead of just taxing up to 142,800, they might tax up, I'm making this up, up to a million. That would generate some serious revenue for social security. Right. That would. Yep. And actually, I don't want to sound crass, but you probably wouldn't miss it in your paycheck. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I have a lot of clients that do make that and tell them that. Oh yeah, there is that. <laughs> wait, 7% of, uh, of yeah, $600,000 is a lot of money. Oh, all but, right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. Well, when should somebody think about taking social security? That is a great question. And I don't want to be vague, but this is one of those financial advisor politically correct answers. <laughs> and there are so many ideas on this, but I can tell you, it, and I'm being serious, it really does depend on the person looking to take benefits. So I'll give you some questions to consider, and then I'll tell you what we look at as financial advisors, but what is somebody's work history? Mm -hmm. Will they keep working while they are collecting? Um, how is their tax situation right now? Do you have outside investments? Are you married, divorced, widowed? Do you need the money now? A big one. What about your family longevity? If right. all of your parents or parents and aunts and uncles, and we have this, everybody's over a hundred years old. It probably makes sense to wait to get the larger benefit and take money out of your investment accounts. One thing I will point out, very important, because I hear this all the time, is retiring does not equal that you must take social security. You don't have to retire. Mm -hmm and immediately take Social Security, you can wait. So there are strategies involved with this, but should we take money out of our investments instead of taking Social Security? Because like I said, you get an 8% raise every year, right? Mm -hmm. Can we guarantee 8% on investments? No way. Maybe not. Um, probably not unless interest rates change, right? So right. there are many, there, there are gives and takes, but many people think that as soon as they retire, they have to take Social Security and what an advisor can help with is just figuring out how to maximize your long-term, by the way, family benefit. Because as things have changed over the years, how do we claim your spouses or your divorced spouses or even should you get remarried before 60? If I have a 59-year-old client that's considering being remarried, but they were married before, this is going to sound funny and emotionless, but <laughs> it's true. If they wait till 60, they can actually claim on their ex-spouse's benefits. And then if they waited till 60 in a day, they can be remarried and be okay. But if they got married 59 years old, 364 days, that ex-spouse's benefit is gone. So I've had this happen. I've had a client that has waited and we basically picked up $1,100 a month by waiting a month for them to get married. They, oh, wow. they didn't care. <laughs> no. But I mean, some things as advisors, what we consider is if, if people wait and they need money, where is it going to come from? If you take money out of an account that's earning 5% interest, what is the cost of that? So we hear a lot about the break-even point, right? What's my break-even point? Or I'll, I'll never live that long. We get that all the time. <laughs> and it's, what the break-even point means, if people hear that, is just if you wait to take it, or if you take it now, at what age would it have made sense to take it? So we hear all the time, it's 78 years old. I'll break even if 
if I take it to 62, if I make it to 78, it would have made sense to wait. If I take it later and live longer, that, that might've made more sense, but there, there are a lot of factors involved. So right. another thing to think about, I mean, it, and it gets complicated and this is where advisors can help. If you took your social security early and invest it, if you don't need it with a 3% interest rate, does that change the break-even point? It definitely does. So the, it, again, it goes back to everybody needs to figure this out on an individual basis. Last thing on this, we have many people who just want their money now. All the time <laughs> I hear that, just give it to me. <laughs> and that's totally fine. I, what I have learned, by the way, is you definitely, it does not matter if I say, listen, if you do this and I'll give, you'll make $3 million more, they don't care. <laughs> they, they want it now. I'm not going to change their mind. That is totally fine. And we have several clients. I just told you about my dad. There you go. He's one of them. He's, I don't care. I'm taking it. Okay. okay. All right, dad. I'm not going to convince you. Otherwise that's up to you. Totally normal. But we work with several clients who take their social security. They don't need it. They just want it now. And what they do is they have the social security payment direct deposited into their bank account on whatever day it goes in. And the next business day we have it sent to a an investment account to potentially earn some interest for them. So mm -hmm. for example, if they were getting $1,500 a month on the 14th, on the 15th, we'd sweep it out of their bank account into an investment and hopefully they can earn some extra money that way. But, but at then, least they're getting it now and investing it. <laughs> I, I, but I would argue if they're going to get 8% on it, you're not mm -hmm. going to get 8% most likely in an investment account. Uh, Patrice, like I said, you can't argue. That's true. That's true. I'm, I'm talking about a very specific group right here. <laughs> and they know who they are. P P I'm telling you, I've done this so many times. People will just say, I want it now. I want my money now. Like, okay, we, we can help with that. Which brings <laughs> up the question, are they doing this or do they say, is the account going, is the social security account going to run out of money? Is that is that why they're saying now? Most of the time, yes. Or a lot of times when people say they just want it now, they're the people with the philosophy of, I have no long, no idea how long I'm going to live. I just want to enjoy it. And that's, mm. that's why you can't argue with that. And that's totally fine. Uh, but going back to the, will it run out of money? We hear this all the time. And I'll give you some facts on this to hopefully make people feel a little bit better. And what it, it's, it's not true. It's not going to run out of money. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'll say that if nothing changes at all, it is projected in the year 2035 and these are the direct quotes, by the way, the trust fund will run out of money. So when people see that, it's scary. The trust fund sure. will run out of money. They just sure. think it's going to run out of money. But it does not mean people will no longer get their benefits at that point. So as long as workers and employers are paying payroll taxes, Social Security will not run out of money. So it's like a pay-as-you-go system. Revenue comes in from that FICA tax and goes back out. Mm -hmm. So it definitely faces funding challenges because for decades, I mean, most of the time it's been around, it has collected more money than it has paid out. And like I said, it's built a $2.9 trillion surplus, but it is just starting now to pay out more than what it's taking in because of the population. Right. Right. And, and people are living a lot longer. So they were calculating this based on a very low life expectancy back in 1935. But you also, had, you also had a population that continued to grow. Right. Yep. Yep. But they were also contributing. So, but now they're taking it longer mm -hmm. than what they've been putting in. So even in 2035, Social Security, I'll say it this way, will not be broke. It's not going to go out of business. It will still collect revenue and pay benefits. 
but what it's calculated to right now, and again, this is actually on the front of the statement. It's not right on everybody's social security statement. It will only have enough to pay. I think it says 80% of the statement. It's actually 79%, 79% of scheduled benefits. And so if you were getting a thousand dollars, you'd be getting $800. And mm-hmm. that really is for people that are starting after that point. So taking all these considerations or all these things into consideration, they, people will say, okay, well, I heard it's going to run out of money or what's going to happen then I should claim it before that date. And then I'll be grandfathered in all of those things. It, Congress will do whatever it takes to avoid this from happening. And by the way, the last time they made changes to it was in 1983 mm-hmm. and they almost ran out of money then just so you know, and we don't even hear about that anymore. So yeah, yeah it nearly depleted all reserves and things that they'll consider rather than running out of money, by the way, they would rather raise the full retirement age. So I'm 40 years old. My full retirement age, 60, they'll just make it, I'm making mm-hmm. some 70 years old. Right. Or they'll increase, like I said, the payroll tax. So they could change it from 6.2% to 8%. Or they can say, they'll just start introducing income tax on the benefits themselves. So like, ah, yes. and we'll get into that next time, but okay. like maybe they'll tax it more as you're actually receiving it. So there, there are a lot of little things that they can change. And when you're dealing with that much money and that many people, there are little small changes that will make a huge difference. Right. David, is there one action item that I can take away today? Yeah. So if I were you and you haven't done this yet, I would go to ssa.gov, so socialsecurityadministration.gov backslash my account. So I don't know if you've noticed this, Patrice, but Social Security stopped sending out statements a number of years ago to anybody below age 60. So once you got to 60, (laughs) I know you're not a day over 51. I'm not going to tell you whether or not I'm getting them or not. That's right. Okay. There you go. (laughs) I don't get any statements, Patrice. I actually used to. Mm -hmm. Um, They stopped sending them to me. They saved X amount of millions of dollars in mail. And what that stopped though, what I've noticed just from financial planning is that people stop looking at their statements. Oh yeah. So when it showed up in the mail every year, People actually thought it was cool. They'd open it up. They'd look through it. And is this, is this accurate? Oh, I didn't make $70,000 last year. I made 82000 And you could call and make those changes. So they've gone to online statements for most people. And to get those statements, you can go on ssa.gov backslash my account. If you haven't done this and create your account, you'll put in your social security number. They'll ask you for a picture of your driver's license or something to prove it's you. You can literally take it on your phone and send it to them right. right there. It'll it'll help you set up and then you can see your benefits and your plan. And what I, what I would say to my clients is once you do that, just send me a copy of your statement and any advisor will do that. So then we can calculate your exact benefits specific to you. So when you get the question, when should I take it? I actually have an educated answer. Without looking at that stuff, we have no idea either <laughs> until we go through all of these factors that I mentioned. So Go on ssa.gov backslash my account, create an account, step one, step two, send it to your financial advisor. They will take a look and see if anything's missing. How can people contact you, David? There's so many questions that come up when you're talking about Social Security. You've answered several of them, but goodness knows, I'm sure listeners are thinking, what about this? What about this? What about this? How can they reach you? Yeah, very common. So the LinkedIn, 
we have a number of connections on LinkedIn and that's growing all the time. So just David Pulsini on LinkedIn, but the best way is definitely our website and it's www.sixpointsfp.com. So sixpointsfp is in financialplanner.com. All of our advisors are basically experts in social security just because we've, we're experienced and we've seen it all. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to answer questions on social security. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this is the first of two episodes in which David will dissect Social Security, including some basic strategies to maximize your benefits. So make sure you know when the second podcast is available by subscribing to Dear Rochester, Retire Well. All you have to do is use the subscribe button, and it's right on this page. You can also share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sakora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.